Hi, this is Michelle with The Fringe Following. It is August 25th, 2020. And today we're going to be addressing the DNC convention that happened last week. Um, Currently, the Republican convention is going on, the GOP convention. However, we wanted to kind of touch a little bit on the national convention of the Democrats last week um, before we go forward with the GOP convention. Sitting here with me today is Lucina. Lucina, I kind of twist your arm to join me in this discussion. (laughs) How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. I'm doing great, actually. Great, great. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining me. So, yeah. So I was reviewing the DNC convention and Mm -hmm. um, decided to to look at some of the, the speeches. And it was funny. I was like, okay, I need to listen to these speeches. I, I did not watch the convention last week. And so I got up Barack Obama on YouTube and was starting to watch it. And um, I live with other people in my home and someone walked by and I, I just had to pipe up, I am not really watching this. <laughs> this is not <laughs> watching with interest. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I uh, just ignore this. You did not see this. This this is an illusion. <laughs> You're not watching me <laughs> right now. Right. Um, and and they left, and that's fine. But then I couldn't finish it. I just couldn't finish it. I I literally, and I'm not kidding you, got nauseous. Now that would probably equate to a racist remark in this country, and I understand that. But it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with. I can't believe what he's saying, and I can't handle this. So instead, what I did is the transcripts of these speeches are online. So I decided to look up the transcripts. I thought, first of all, I read way better than I watch. I've always been a better reader than a watcher. And second of all, I didn't have to like feel like I wanted to vomit when I was watching it. So <laughs> <laughs> horrible, I know, but this is me. So anyway... In his speech, he starts out, and I just want to, what I'm going to do is just kind of mention some things that they said, and we're going to talk about it. So um, first of all, he praised Joe Biden for being a man of experience, character, empathy, and resilience. And he urged the nation to come together to oust President Trump, saying democracy's very existence is in jeopardy. And then he called the consequence of Mr. Trump's failures. 170,000 Americans dead, millions of jobs gone, our worst impulses unleashed, our proud reputation around the world so badly diminished, and our democratic institution threatened like never before. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's a a lot. That's a lot there, you know, just in that, those first opening statements. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 170,000 Americans dead. Shall we Shall we talk about that a little bit, Lucina? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about that. It should be a fast discussion. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I think my, the 170,000, you know, I, I keep hearing, you know, the number was 150,000 a couple of weeks ago. So the number just keeps yeah. going up. And mm-hmm. um, I just find it really interesting how they continue to try and implicate him as being responsible for this, um, being responsible for the deaths of all these people, um, dying or who have died from, from COVID-19 or, and and it's interesting because I really, they can make all these claims, but I, I really haven't heard, I haven't really heard the data to back up 
where they're getting these claims from. Right. So I'm, I'm really wanting to know, like, what are they actually basing it on? I think the main thing is, is because he happens to be president right now. That's what they're basing mm-hmm. it on. And, um, but again, they just make these claims and these attacks on him. And there's just, there's nothing to say that he's, it's not like he's going out and infecting people. Uh, <laughs> and that's the part that, it's like, what do you think he's doing? He's been holding, he's had the task force. He's had, you know, people that I maybe don't agree with, but he's had the doctors like Fauci and stuff out there and talking and giving their, you know, even though he didn't necessarily, he didn't necessarily oppose what they were saying, but he let them have their, their day with it and uh, their time with it. And so on and so on. It, it's not, and he's pat, he passed laws. He focused on the ventilators and the masks and, you know, he just, he really got to work on it. Yeah. And that was pretty evident. It was in the news even, even though I don't watch the news, but it was always circling back somehow being in the news, but it just turned into this. He's responsible for all these deaths. So I'm just curious to know how they can even sleep at night saying that, Right. So. Well, I I agree, and not and not to mention that the Democrats are the ones that are in their states. Their numbers are a lot higher than than other states, and you have mm-hmm. to wonder. You know, it's almost like if I were the opposing side, and I knew I was going to have a tough time winning an, a very important election, mm-hmm. I would do what they did: inflate the numbers to make it sound mm-hmm. like a lot more died than they should have. Mm-hmm. I would have, um, you know, shut down businesses so that millions of jobs gone. Because if you notice, it's mainly in the democratic states, the ones that are led by democratic governors and mm-hmm. cities that are led by democratic mayors that are having all of these shutdowns and, mm-hmm. you know, extreme, uh, you know, mask wearing and, and all of that and schools being shut down and not reopened. There, there's schools here where I'm at where s- the whole district is simply waiting until next year and the parents are on their own and having to do the online learning. Mm-hmm. And that is so devastating because then what about how they go to work? And, you know, it, it's, it's just... And then New York City, I've read more than one article that says that they are dead. Well, who is in charge of New York City. Um, mm. A Democrat. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it, I agree. How do they sleep at night? And how did this all become? Did did Trump invent COVID? Did he bring it along? Did he, right. you know, was suddenly all of his fault? It's a pandemic. Now, if this happened during Obama's time, well, first of all, the numbers wouldn't be anywhere near what they are. But but second of all, it definitely wouldn't be his fault. It would be our country got hit hard by a bad virus. It would not be he allowed it to happen. He didn't act quick enough, the law, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. just, it infuriates me. It just infuriates me. And the jobs are gone. He extended unemployment for everyone. In fact, he extended again. A lot of states are honoring that extension because it's an executive order that requires the states actually to kick in a hundred of the $400 increase that he executive ordered. And so a lot of democratic states aren't even honoring that at this point. Um, they're still paying, you know, the bare minimum, not 
you know, it used to be $600 above. Now it's, you know, above what the bare minimum is. Now they're paying the bare minimum and they haven't kicked in what he signed into law not too long ago. Not to mention, you know, Congress isn't even addressing it. But let's let's move a little further. He also says here that <clears throat> tonight I am asking you to believe in Joe and Kamala's ability to lead this country out of dark times and to build it back together. Embrace your own responsibility as citizens to make sure the basic tenets of our democracy endure because that's what's at stake right now, our democracy. (laughs) So basically, yeah, he's saying that, you know, they are our only hope. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the dark times, I think the dark times comment is uh, really interesting because... I don't think we're necessarily in dark times, but I think dark things are happening. <laughs> we can see that. Right. Um, but, but I just think that it, it's like, the, it's like they're trying to get us to think that we're in this dark age or something. And I right. don't, and, again, and- nothing, there's nothing to back that up. <laughs> Where are you getting this from? <laughs> and I do exactly. want to talk about democracy, but I'll let you say what you have to say for a minute. <laughs> no, no, no. And also, you know, not to mention the S&P 500 index closed at a record high on August 18th, 2020. I, you know, last I checked, you know, if we were in the dark ages, that would not be happening, uh, you know, and I, yeah. And, but of course they kind of ignore that. And I understand, okay, this is us against them and they're going to come out strong, but it's the blatant lies and mm. it's the press backing up these blatant lies. I mean, I, I don't see many fact checkers um all over this speech but um yeah and and what exactly did joe do during his time as vice president that helped anyone get out of the recession that we had during obama's presidency uh, mm. i i didn't see anything did, did you see anything mm. i mean you know not a whole lot you know what i saw with that with that administration and many before it because i i don't want to just pick on one administration Mm-hmm. But what I've been learning in my studies is that many administrations since Herbert Hoover have been dismantling the Constitution. And Obama's um, Obama's uh, presidency heavily dismantled, dismantled the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And so I, I see that they made progress there. And I felt like there was a lot of racial division that came out of that presidency as well too. And we've kind of, it's kind of carried on, unfortunately. I'm not trying to point fingers fingers or accuse, but when I look at what happened, (laughs) especially since if you look at Herbert Hoover all the way back to that point and FDR, I mean, if you look at what they've been doing with the constitution pretty much since that point and the, some of the things that happened even in Obama's administration, I just wonder if that was like their main goal because there were some things and laws and interesting things put in place to override the constitution that are just uh, crazy, outrageous. Um, And I know I kind of went off on the constitution for a moment, but, but outside of, but outside of that, it wasn't like they accomplished things for the whole, they accomplished things for an agenda 
You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Or maybe I'm not using the right word, but they accomplish things for uh, what a few might want, but not for the whole, not for the masses. It was not a government for the people. Right. In my opinion, in my observation, I'm not saying that I'm right, (laughs) but I'm saying that's what I observed. And I think what's very interesting about their comment about democracy Mm -hmm. is that (laughs) we don't want a democracy. Okay. There is a reason that yes, their democracy, their democracy is under attack and mm-hmm. threatened, but a democracy, Ooh, I, like that. I love that's that. right. Their, that's right. It belongs because it's their democracy. It's what they want. It's under mm-hmm. attack. It's their threat. And if you look at all of the founding documents, the constitution, the bill of rights, everything, not a word that even looks like democracy is mm-hmm. in any of those documents. Um, the United States was founded as a Republic. Okay. And that was what they wanted. They wanted a small government and the people. It was so the people were governed because you need some laws, right? You need some government to keep order. Right. But you don't want the people to be so big either (laughs) that, and that's the people's voices become the elected officials, right? And that's why the government is so big and it's grown so much. And you have all these, these people in place writing all these laws and putting all these bills in place and doing all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. a very, it's dangerous. And yes, that is, and that is being threatened. <laughs> and I'm glad it's being threatened because we need to get away from that as quickly as possible, in my opinion. So yeah. Yeah. I no, don't think people understand democracy very well. That's, that's just it. If they look at the history of democracy, they'll understand why it's not what they think it is. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, no, no. You bring up an excellent topic, a republic versus a democracy. I kind of Googled it while while you were speaking and I'll kind of just inform our listeners a little bit. Um, Key takeaways, republics and democracies both provide a political system in which citizens are represented by elected officials who are sworn to protect their interests. In a pure democracy, laws are made directly by the voting majority, leaving the rights of the minority largely unprotected. In a republic, laws are made by representatives chosen by the people and must comply with a constitution that specifically protects the rights of the minority from the will of the majority. The United States, while basically a republic, is best described as a representative democracy. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Now, I don't know if this source is right or wrong. It came up first on my Google search. Does that pretty much sound like what you were trying to say? Well, basically, yeah. The biggest problem is, is the majority rule and um, it's a dangerous path. It, it, history shows time and time again um, mm-hmm. why democracies don't work. And the founding fathers didn't want democracy. They didn't want to establish a democracy. They believe that the government, yes, should that the that the government was by the people. So the government basically left them alone, but created some laws for order because we definitely still need laws for order. But people mm-hmm. were free to uh, own their property. They were free to, um, you know, to make their own money. They were free to defend their property. They were free to live without issue. 
without the government getting involved, without other people, because and everyone and the majority of people respected that because it was a government by the people for the people, right? And that was their vision. And I mean, you can find that in anything that you know the early, you know, our early founding okay. fathers. <laughs> you can find it all out. It's all there. Um, I love this. You're you're from Canada and you're schooling me on my own government system. <laughs> Well, it's an interesting topic because Wake up, always, America. That's right. Well, and it's really, you know, what's interesting is it stems from the fact that growing up, I always didn't know why, I didn't know a lot about the US. It was always in our news, but I always felt or knew that I would someday live in the US and then I ended up marrying an American and mm-hmm. here I am and now I know why because I truly believe very strongly that um, there is something special about that, about the American or sorry, about the United States. And I believe the main part of that is, is the constitution, um, which is why it's always being attacked, dismantled, used as a weapon, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the original constitution, the original constitution, as it was written, is what is the true constitution, not these amendments and not these additions and all this stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And legally, if people knew this more legally, you cannot actually those new laws or new amendments or the changes or the dismantling they've done actually is illegal. But I don't think they want the people to get catch on to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think some people are starting to figure that if people really get into the studies of, of the, of the constitution, and the Republic. Um, they'll understand why it's so important. And if we look at early Roman history, we're going to see why the Republic thrived the way it did for the period of time that it did. And what happened with all of that is the democracy. A democracy came in and it started to change things. And that's how they eventually destroyed themselves. Um, Wow. mm -hmm. Boy, am I getting schooled here today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm getting too. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure I learned some of this, you know, growing up in my American history classes, but also they might not have presented that perspective because as you know, usually the education system errs on the side of liberal. And so that might not have been um, shared to me in that fashion because that's definitely something I didn't take away with, with all my studies. And that makes complete sense. And, you know, it is, it is good that we are a country where we do have freedom and we do have freedom of political choice as well Mm -hmm. in the United States. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why we have the Republicans and Democrats. This circles all back to why there's a two party system and sometimes more where there's a multiple party system, but the ones that really stand out are are Republic versus Democrats. And it, yeah, it all full circle. That makes complete sense to me down Lucina. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And I think, People think a republic means that we all have to be Republicans. Like people are just so afraid of that. (laughs) Just like, you know, and honestly, I'm not picking on the Democrats. um, But, you know, unfortunately, I I just can't from from my perspective and where I stand and my values and what matters to me there's no humanly possible way that I could get on board with a democracy ever. I just can't do it. I was schooled that same way because I grew up in Canada. <laughs> and, yeah. and so I think I wasn't aware of it for the longest time, but it's so easy 
to not know what's actually happening, why things are happening the way they are, why you don't seem to have a say in anything anymore. The no one's better than me kind of, you know, I'm not any better than you. You're not any better than me. Um, It's not about being better, but it's also like, it's like, why is it that we can go to school? And if, if I, if I work harder than you, why would you get the same recognition if you didn't work as hard as me? Right. So we're seeing all this kind of stuff kind of coming out of all of this. And that's the danger of a democracy. Um, It just gets too big and too powerful. So. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I definitely agree. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Circling back to the speech with Obama, um, he another stance that he seemed to take, or especially the DNC in general, with their convention last week. Uh, let me give you a few more quotes from Obama's speech. Joe's a man who learned early on to treat every person he meets with respect and dignity. And then fast forward a few more lines. He said, that empathy, that decency, the belief that everyone counts, that's who Joe is. So, I mean, this is very clear to me that they're trying to set up Joe, that he's the nicer, more dignified president. Do you mm-hmm. get that sense as well? I do. I also think to myself, why are you trying to sell me on Joe? Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. That's, well, that's- you know, why are you trying to sell me on Joe? Why, why aren't you, why don't you just sell me? Why don't you try to make your point about, why, you know, something that really matters to the people. I just didn't feel, I feel like what he's saying there is very empty. That's just my take on it. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. And, and I think yes, the that, dignified. Yes. That's, that's yeah. also it too. They're trying to use these words to separate him from president Trump. So. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. um, trying to um, what you had said earlier, trying to sell me on him, it, yeah. And, you know, for me, I don't need someone that is a dignified, eloquent speaker to be my president. I mean, I don't need to be feeling warm and fuzzy when he's talking to me. Um, I know a lot of others do need that. And, you know, to Obama's credit, he is a good orator. I mean, you, yep. he he really is. He has that skill down. He's very, very eloquent. And I'm mm-hmm. sure he has tremendously great speech writers, too. Trump, on the other hand, he doesn't care about making it, of wrapping it up in a nice bow and making it sound all pretty. He's just going to speak bluntly. He's going to tweet it in 140 characters or less. He doesn't care. He just wants to get the job done. And he's done, you know, for me, in my opinion, a spectacular job. And I have actually seen growth through the COVID quarantine and I would never have seen that under Obama. When we had the housing crisis under Obama, I owned a home. I was part of that. And I went under. I lost my business, all of that. Mm-hmm. In COVID, I'm actually creating new businesses and thriving. And, <laughs> you know, and that's not my own personal belief but in, in my own personal experience. But, you know, as I've described on this podcast before, I see people that, do not support Trump, that they really struggle during this time. And then I'll ask him, well, did you apply for this? Did you apply for it? Well, no, I don't know. And I'm like, 
These are things that President Trump set in place. And not only did he protect the worker, he protected the American business person. Oh, my God. I've never seen an American business person be able to apply for unemployment if their business is having issues. That's that's unprecedented. But the press, of course, never, you know, unprecedented. You can do that. Like, there were several unemployed people I talked to that own their own business that didn't even know they could apply for unemployment. And why? Because mm-hmm. they listen to mainstream media and they're not hyping that aspect up. And so it really just, it, yeah, they're, they're trying to make him look like he's so bad in this and so undignified. I don't care if, you know, when, when you have to make those decisions, I don't care if you do it nicely. I don't care if you do it rudely. It's kind of like, you know, like the doctor that you wouldn't want to be friends with because he is a complete jerk. But yet, you know, I, I used to work in the medical industry and there were some really arrogant doctors there. But I tell you, if I had to have a surgery in their specialty, I would pick him out of anyone else because he was a freaking genius. I didn't mm-hmm. care you know, he could be as arrogant as he wanted, but if he got the job done when I'm under the knife, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that's what I see here. I, I, I just like, mm-hmm. okay, great, he's decent. Okay. But what has he done? You know, I really haven't seen much of you talking about what he did while he was your vice president for eight years, you know? Right. And yeah. And, well, and, and that's just goes back to what you were saying to another good illustration of that is, you know, a lot of us share, share a bed with, uh, you know, our partner, husband, wife, wherever you fall and all that. And, you know, you you can, you can be best friends and get along, but there's still things you're not going to like about them. Right. There's still, there's still things that are going to go wrong. They're, they're still maybe going to say things sometimes that'll throw you off guard. Um, right. or they're going to yeah. do things that will throw you off guard. And I think, you can use the same analogy for president Trump. He's done a lot and maybe his delivery isn't always like this, you know, what we've been conditioned because I think if you look at a lot of past presidents, they're mm-hmm. conditioned to be these great orators, give speeches. They have good speech writers. I know, but president Trump doesn't speak by a speech. <laughs> There's no way that's a speech. <laughs> no. Most of the time. There's just no way. <laughs> And he just, he's a get the job done kind of guy, deliver the information now, who cares how it comes out, you know, and he's also preparing, you know, he already knows the blows that are going to come. He's already steps ahead of everyone, you know, and he's got a lot of fiery darts coming his way too. And you got to like the guy or not, you got to admire him for maintaining his composure as best as possible. And if, if it was you, I always say to people, what if it was you and you were being constantly attacked and you were being constantly ousted and made to look bad and be blamed for all these deaths and, and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, no wonder he has to get up there and say, we did all these things because every, almost every message out there is saying he didn't do anything and he's this, and he's responsible for this. Right. So he's always being attacked with that narrative. So he's always defending himself. Always because he has to, he has to let people know, well, the media is not telling you this, but this is what the truth is. He has to say it or else no one else will. It won't get out there. So, right. No, totally. And I, 
I love your analogy of your spouse or a significant other. Um, it's kind of the same with your president because we do have a relationship with him, whether we want, you know, he's mm-hmm. not my president. Well, he, he kind of is. You don't really have a choice about that um, if you didn't vote for him and if you, the person you voted for didn't win. But the, the truth of the matter is it's the filter that you look at it with. You know, when I look at my significant other, if I'm thinking that, oh, they're a jerk and they want, I know they're not on my side. Every action that he makes, I'm going to interpret with that filter. If you use your filter and everything that they say, you're thinking that they're out to get you, you're going to see that. You are Mm -hmm. absolutely going to see that. Instead of giving Mm -hmm. him the benefit of the doubt or actually thinking, no, he really loves me. He really wants to help me. It's the same thing here, but it's been allowed again and again and again, this one note filter, bad man, orange bad man. And that's all that's allowed to be out there. So everyone interprets everything he does and says with that filter that he doesn't care. He's not dignified. He's not respectful. He's a racist. He's a misogynist. And, you know, it, it really gets, gets old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, well, and that's, again, we go as human beings, we go to our, we go to our frame of reference and like it or not, whether you voted him in or not, he's in office right now. And he's essentially, he, he's like someone, someone I know put it really well and said, he's like America's dad, right? He's like the dad right now. And so we all have different daddy issues, right? Right. (laughs) And if our frame of reference is negative and angry, okay, um, yeah, you're totally right about that. We're just going to keep looking at him through that frame of reference when it has nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. So if we feel, if we're angry because we lost our job or business or whatever, and how can we blame President Trump for that? He didn't. Um, want to close the economy down. He didn't want to stop doing things. And he actually went along with it for a short period of time, but they just, now they're just fighting him on it. They don't want him to reopen. They want to devastate everything. It seems like to me, Um, because why would you not want to reopen and get people their livelihood back? You, You can't have a good, you can't have a, you can't have a good outcome for that, you know? No, no, you can't. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, the whole thing really was, you know, very upsetting. And then, you know, after Obama's speech, I went on to Michelle Obama's because um, mm-hmm. some of my liberal friends posted, oh, this is a great speech. We love this speech. And they said that she really brought it. And, you know, I just looked over what she had to say and a lot of it. And, and she actually came first before Barack Obama's speech. A lot of it was what Barack also said that we've already discussed about Trump is at fault for all those people dying in our economy being in shambles. And mm-hmm. it, it just must be great to be a politician and have a selective memory. It's, it must be wonderful to live in, the, in that world. Where <laughs> well, but again, where's the platform? Like, I'm not hearing the platform. Yeah. I'm hearing exactly. just all I'm hearing is just putting down Donald Trump. And that's not a platform. I mean, that must be their platform. I I just don't, I don't know. What do they stand for anymore? Right? Um, Yeah, just, it's a big Trump with an X through it is what they stand for. (laughs) 
no Trump. Right. And I feel sad for the, I mean, I feel bad in a way for the people who genuinely support certain ideas that the Democratic Party brings forth that they believe in, Mm -hmm. but there's no platform. And I think that's why you see there is a silent majority because there's a lot of people who've migrated over or who are somewhere in the middle because they, they don't trust like their parties made it all about hating Trump. Right. So the people who get it are like, like I'm, I'm out of here. Right. I mean, why would you want to stick around for that? You know? Right. Right. I, I agree. They're and- it's very disingenuous to their supporters. Like you're basically treating them like a bunch of children that have to be told that there's a, Oh, there's a bad man and we're going to save you from him. Right. It, it's completely based off of fear instead mm-hmm. of, I'm the better choice. No, you, if you don't vote for us, you know, your world is just going to disintegrate and it'll be awful. And we're just going to be living in like a third world country. It, it, it just, it, you know, it, it's, there's no logic to it. Um, you know, another yeah. thing is they, they keep, you know, hitting the mail and vote button. And mm. um, you know, one one quote that I picked up is they're hoping to make it hard as possible for you to vote. And I'm thinking, really, they're hoping that why would they hope that? Is it because, um, if not a lot of people show up, only Republicans are the ones that are going to show up. I, I really don't understand why, how any argument could be led that one party doesn't want you to vote is equating to we're trying to push the the Democratic Party under. Really, I'm not seeing a lot of argument. I'm just trying to, I'm just seeing a lot of just, I'm just seeing darts being thrown, but nothing's attached to them. Like there's nothing Right. And so what is your yeah. platform? Again, what is your platform? Is your platform all about hating Trump? Because that's all I'm hearing. And they're trying to make them stop. Like they're trying to make it impossible for them to vote. Now, what's really interesting about that. And if people were paying, paying attention back when I thought it was really interesting when president Trump, you know, started wearing a mask and then he said, it's, it's, it's safe to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. It's safe. Or it's, you're safe if you go vote. Right it's safe to go and do these things. He was really trying to tell us like, go to the polls and vote. Like that means two <laughs> things where just wear your dang mask, even if you don't wear it and go to the polls and vote Two re- two things are going to happen here. You're going to be able to make sure that your vote is casted correctly and properly. Mm-hmm. And so your voice is going to be heard and voter ID comes into play. Right. Right. Because how can you verify who's behind the mask? You can't just assume if I say I'm, you know, John Smith, (laughs) that I'm John Smith that lives at, you know, one, two, three, you know, Huckleberry Lane. (laughs) And so, so it's kind of like, so he's, he was already signaling that to us quite some time ago. And what's really interesting on the flip on that is before, up until that point, Hillary Clinton had on her Twitter account, a picture of her and her mask. Right. And then once Trump started wearing his mask and started encouraging people, it's safe to go outside and, you know, vote and do these things as long as you have your mask on. Um, she's changed her Twitter profile picture to no mask and isn't talking about masks anymore. Oh, wow. And I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty, pretty interesting to watch yes. what's going on here. And so, because now they're, they, they understand, Oh, like now people know they can wear a mask and go vote in person. And now that's all mail-in voting ballot thing is just not, 
you know, people aren't buying it right now. And some people are, I've seen people outright say, you know, to support mail-in voting. And I'm thinking, but again, you know, how can you ask people to support that? I think to make sure it's fair and it's done properly, people should be voting in person. There's no reason they can't. If they believe that a mask will protect you, then Mm -hmm. what's, then what's the problem, right? (laughs) Right. Right. What's the and problem I, then? <laughs> and I have always, I always have to ask you, you like to follow the money. I always have to ask the question who benefits and mm. if, you know, who benefits from the mail in voting, what, who benefits from that? And why would the Democrats benefit from that more unless they did have, you know, why aren't they worried that if, if we did mail-in voting, they got their wish, everyone was doing mail-in voting, why aren't they concerned that maybe the Republicans would pick up the ballots and mark them all for who they want as opposed to the Democrats? So why would they benefit from pushing this unless there were plans to maybe take advantage of that system? They've said a couple of times about the mail-in voting is that they they want to try and delay the counting of the votes. I'm sure you've kind of heard that or seen a little bit about that out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have talked about it a little bit, not a whole lot, but they have mentioned it, that they want to delay the counting of votes because what happens, they were looking at delaying it up to six months. Mm -hmm. What happens after, what happens at that point? Well, then you have the (laughs) the, the house speaker, okay, is the one who assumes that role temporarily of the president until the votes are done being counted. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now they're not going to succeed at that. I I just don't think they are. But what I'm saying is, is they're, they're trying, they're pulling out every punch they can. And that's just one possibility because they keep throwing that out there. It could be something entirely different, right? With the who benefits from that, right? That's kind of more of what I was answering your question on. Um, Oh yeah. No, no, I see. I, well, to me, it's it to me, it almost feels like arguing with a child, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's like, well, what are you going to do about the economy? Well, your breath stinks. I mean, that's basically what you know. It, <laughs> it almost feels like, you know? <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I just yeah, I'm not really sure about you know what their tactics are completely. Um, one line that I did pick up, and I think it was from Michelle's Obama speech, and I was trying to find it here in the transcript, but I wrote it down. She said, "Free." I think it was her that said it. Please forgive me if it wasn't. It was somebody at the convention. They said, free press isn't the enemy, but the it is the way that we hold the officials accountable. Mm. And I'm thinking, and, and it, definitely alluding the, you know, the, you know, Trump doesn't invite in the press as well as Biden would and as well as the Democrats, et cetera. And I, I have to ask, um, uh, you know, how are they holding, how did they hold Obama accountable those eight years at all? You know, they, there wasn't, yeah. Free press is great if they're in favor of everything that your party's doing and they, you know, look down mm-hmm. on everything that the other party's doing. But, you know, to use that, to even use the term free press, I don't even think there is free press anymore for the most part. And to say that it's holding the officials accountable, no, they have, you know, Trump under a microscope, but hey, Joe Biden, you know, bribed someone in the Ukraine, but we're not going to cover that. 
No, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's all in audio that it was clearly a bribe that, oh, look at that butterfly over there. Oh, and Trump sucks. I mean, that's what it starts to feel like, you know, and um, Nancy Pelosi spoke and she said that as speaker, I've seen firsthand Donald Trump's respect for facts for working families and for women in particular, disrespect written into his policies towards our health and our rights, not just his conduct. And I'm like, really, you have seen that, yet you have done nothing about COVID relief for months and months. You have a special session to save the post office that didn't need saving just this Saturday, but you have done nothing and haven't even responded to the president's executive orders to continue to aid the entire American people over COVID. And you're calling him the one that has the disrespect for working families? Oh, they're 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 always pointing fingers and coming up with these charges, but they're not backing it up. And it's almost like they're talking about maybe what they're doing. I don't know. Like <laughs> because I'm trying to figure out like how can you go up there and say that and think that And it does go in with some people, but like I said, more and more people are becoming disinterested in the party for good reason. Where's your platform? Where, where's your, what do you stand for? Right. This is what people vote for. They vote for a stand. You take a stand on something Uh and they're ticked off because unfortunately, and again, I'm not trying to make this all pro Trump, but if you look at president Trump, he is working to, minimize the government. He would like to see it minimize a lot more, right? And he's working to move back to a system where the people are the ones who, um, their voices are the ones that they're, they're, they're the, they're the government, right? But there's a, still a small, so it's a limited, limited powers of government like we were before. So he, he's working to that. He's trying to help people. So he stands for that. And yes, sometimes he does throw some punches back at them, but he actually is out there doing stuff and talking about stuff and talking about his platform. Yeah. Yeah. And what he stands for. And people vote for that. They vote for a stance. Uh, And uh, people don't vote for you. Yes, people do, but not the majority of people, (laughs) I mean, you cannot like, I know what you're talking about is the reason why I didn't really watch it. I just Googled it, looked at a couple of bit of a transcript here and there, saw who was on there. And I saw the same old song and dance Mm -hmm. that unfortunately you're not even helping me try to understand what your platform is. Like you're, you're, you're not giving me even a fair chance to understand, you know? So yeah, <laughs> I, I do know. <laughs> and I'm willing to hear you out. I'm willing to hear people out, but you got to give me something. <laughs> give me something. Yeah. So. And, and they're not. They are totally not, you know, mm-hmm. and they also, I'll, I'll just, we'll wrap up with this comment, but the, they pulled on the heartstrings with, um, her name is Kristen or. Urquiza, and she talked about her father who had voted for Trump. And she said that he died alone in the ICU with, with COVID, that's implied, with a nurse holding his hand. My dad was a healthy 65-year-old. His only pre-existing condition was tr- trusting Donald Trump. And for that, he paid with his life. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really? I mean, really? Oh, 
Really. And she also said one of the last things the father said to her, she said that he felt betrayed by the likes of Donald Trump. And so when I cast my vote for Joe Biden, I do it for my dad. And I'm thinking, really, really? I mean, first of all, he is deceased, so we can't exactly confirm that he actually said that. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. even if he did, how... So his death is directly because he trusted Trump. Because if Obama was in charge or Biden was in charge, we never would have had the coronavirus hit the United States. Uh, I just, I don't see the, it just blows my mind. Well, I think the the weird part about the comment that I just can't help but point out, and I'm sorry to cut you off, I just have to say, remember with COVID, family members weren't allowed in the hospital. Family members were dying without their family members there. So when Mm -hmm. did she tell him this or when did he tell her this? Right. Oh, so I just couldn't help but but realize the setup there for a moment and go, what? (laughs) That's a good one. I didn't even see that. Good call, Lucina. Wow. (laughs) And and apparently they're so they've got, you know, they've got the, 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 um, the ventilators and the um, the uh, there's the other one, the one that's just basically you're you're not you don't have much time left. Um, mm-hmm. There's another type I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, but you're you're all rigged up anyway. So what you're just gonna pick up and you can't breathe and you, all this stuff that they've painted this picture about. So what he just picked up the phone and no, from my <laughs> understanding, that wouldn't have been possible. No. And the family members have had were blocked from going in and they couldn't even speak for their relatives. So what he just took his, um, you know, his ventilator out and said this on his deathbed when he couldn't, you know, breathe or talk. I don't know. That, that's a good point. Weird there, to me. Yeah. I, I like that skeptical. And we're not laughing and I'm not laughing at her loss, but I, you're right. I'm not laughing at her loss either. If that's a real loss, right? (laughs) Right. That's true. It's tragic. It It is tragic. But the fact that, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. Did he really say that to her? I'm just, I'm more or less, one cannot help but laugh somewhat though at this kind of stuff. When you, Mm -hmm. when you look at it and you really analyze it and you see the deeper side of it, you kind of have to ask, well, how was she in the hospital room or on the phone with him or however he told her this and no one mm-hmm. else was. And it's more of a, is this a real story now? Right. Right. Yeah. Did he write it in a letter? I doubt not, but I'm just saying like, these are just, these are things. And again, I can't, can't help, but only laugh a little because it's sad that they've resorted to this. If it's not a true story if it's somehow maybe her dad did die, but they just, you know, embellished it. I I really don't know. It's a, I have no proof of that. So I I don't stand by that entirely. It's just my perspective. Um, Here's what I pictured. He was, you know, he he was sick at home. He was on his way to the hospital. He's in the ambulance, probably attached to some oxygen or something or whatever they would do at that point. And as he's going away, you know, probably him and his daughter were at odds about who he voted for anyway. She said, so do you still believe in President Trump, dad? And, you know, maybe he went, or, you know, or something like that. And she interpreted it. I mean, I mean, at what point? Yeah. yeah, I I mean, I, I really find it hard that if I was on my 
dying deathbed that I'm going to be blaming a politician. I just don't see how, you know, I would, you know, maybe I'd blame, I I don't even think it would come, come to that if I was dying. You know, at that point, I'm more concerned about loving my family and loving my kids and just letting them know I, I, I wouldn't, it, it, yeah, you're right. It is an incredulous story. I agree. Well, yeah, Not because you got to think about like deathbed. Is that a deathbed? You, we know that most of the time people have deathbed confessions. I and doubt they are that, that allowed in the court of law here in America. So yeah, the, the was that really a deathbed confession? He couldn't even talk. <laughs> he couldn't talk. He would have had to been at a state where he had like ventilators in his mouth, and he would be basically out of it. And didn't probably wasn't, you know, maybe just out of it and family members weren't allowed to be there. And what, he's just gonna pick up the phone in the middle of that. I mean, that's all I'm saying. It's just, something's just not adding up about it. And, you know, whatever it is, it is, but it's just, again, these are little things that people don't catch, uh, that make you wonder, it's just things that make you go, Hmm. So how is that possible? Right. 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 I agree. And the, and the, the funny part is, is that, you know, in a, a regular press where, you know, if the, this was reversed and a Trump supporter had somehow made it sound like it was the Democratic Party's fault that they were dying because, you know, mm-hmm. they haven't made um, hydroxychloroquine available or this, that, or thing. And, and if that actually got published, which would be a far cry, I don't think it would actually get published. But if it did, I could just see everyone tearing down that story just like we're doing here. Well, how did he say that when he was on his deathbed? Da, da, da. But nobody, this is in, you know, major news, CNN, you know, uh, New York Times, and nobody's even thinking that maybe there's a little bit of stretch to that story. But let's all cry about this. It hurt. She losing her father and it was directly President Trump's fault. So, yeah, I, you know. It's just it's well, once again in this country on a daily basis. Nobody cares about one side, and at a, at a point, you do have to just say, you, you do do have to like lift up your hands and go, okay, well, yep, that's the way it is, and I'm just going to have to deal with it, you know. Well, and that's the thing about that's just the thing about what's happening right now, and what's uh-huh. really interesting is a person in, in China actually said that they to, to someone, I I don't remember who it was, but it's something that I saw recently where they had said, it just surprises them that we still watch the news because people in China don't watch the news because they know it's propaganda. Yes. I saw that meme. I loved it. Love, love, love that meme. Yeah. Well, I know more, I increasingly know more and more people who have distanced themselves from the news, you know, Mm -hmm. and are choosing other sources and are, just, you know, have totally withdrawn from it and they're starting to see things a lot more clearly. So you just going back to all of this, they're again, they're using propaganda in another way to try and paint this picture that Donald Trump is so horrible. He killed this man. I mean, how you, to kill someone, (laughs) right. Do we really need to go into like, you know, the 99 ways that you can kill someone? I mean, (laughs) Do we need to get into that really? Because, you know, here is, he's a president. He's, he's working really hard to do all these things. Nobody can see that, whatever. But what, like you said, did he create the virus? Did he go out and inject the person with it? Did he, what did he do to cause this person to die? Right. In fact, he did nothing but fight and fight and fight and fight and try to get certain, you know, therapies and things like that in, in, you know, being used and he's been fought on it on every 
on every front. I know. And to, to me, what's so infuriating is people, you know, we're not eating this up, but people eat this up like mm. nobody's business. And they believe this and they believe all of that. And they're content sitting at home with, you know, bad orange man philosophy. And they can't even see beyond that. And it, everything that they read supports that. And they get angry and anger. And I see their posts and how frustrated they are. And it's almost like being frustrated that you're in a prison cell and you're so upset and you're imprisoned and you shouldn't be, but the door was always open and you never checked the freaking door. It's the same with believing the media and what they want to tell us. <laughs> well, if you're going to believe them, yes, you're going to be upset and horribly angry all the time. But maybe if you tried to do some of your own independent thinking and really wonder why are they attacking this man so horribly and start looking at some of the good things he's done, maybe the perspective would change. But yeah, I I need to wrap this up. And I really thank you, Lucina, for coming on. And I know I twisted you're your welcome. arm for this. And so <laughs> thank you. Because I know you're- It's been a really good discussion. It's been a really right. good discussion. So. And yeah, um, you know, your, your passion right now is more with the human trafficking, of course. And, um, you know, our previous podcast that I just had, she was my guest on that as well. And it highlighted her podcast that you can find, um, on Spotify. You can find on, um, you can find on, uh, iTunes, you were saying, right. Yeah. Yeah, and where else can you find it? I'm sorry, I'm so bad with all the podcasts. No, you're good. Um, there's Outcast, there's Stitcher, I think. Um, there's also the Google one. I don't remember what it's called. Um, gosh, I, I know it's on like seven of them, but most people, most people are on like Spotify, iTunes, or the Google one, and maybe a couple of the other ones. Stitcher, I think, as well. So people can find us uh, us there talking about that. But, you know, this topic, I also have an interest in these topics as well, too, from this point of view, because I believe it all greatly affects um, the subject of human trafficking in, in some way. I, I agree because of the people that make the laws and who actually fights against trafficking and who turns a blind eye to it. I agree. And mm -hmm. that podcast name is called A Truth Rising. Again, it's Lucina. You can Google it and find it there. I'll uh, put a link for it as well on my Facebook page. So if you, um, you, you can also find it there as well. So thank you so much for joining us, Lucina. We really appreciate having you and your perspective. And yeah, it, you had some awesome insight into this and I really, really appreciate that. Hey, no um, problem. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It was really my pleasure. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. And um, thank you to our listeners and, you know, please give us a comment if you can or a rating. We, we love it when you do that. And also if you could hit the subscribe button, the, the more subscribers they have, we have the higher we get in iTunes ratings and on other podcast uh, platforms as well. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you.